Hey guys, Mike here for Hokey Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former Downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it. Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in Downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now, and there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg. Hokey hangover, Virginia Tech 38, pit 21. Hell yeah, Hokies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would like to say none of us saw it coming, but somebody somebody got a little uh, frisky on the pod last week and, I was gonna and predicted say, Virginia Tech to win. I was going to say, uh, you know, not, not that this means anything, but somebody on this podcast predicted a Virginia Tech W. It was me. It, it's been Something a long of, time since going out in the limb and picking Virginia Tech to win a game that they're absolutely not supposed to win is uh, has paid off for someone. I was going to say, Andrew. Fair, to be fair, I don't think that was necessarily a game that they absolutely weren't supposed to win. But the fashion uh, in which we saw them move the football was absolutely not something that anyone was expecting. Now. Andrew, so it, you, it feels different. You were as far you were as one Mike week early, picking, Andrew. Andrew was just one week early, Rick. As far as Mike picking a winner, something about a blind a blind squirrel finding a nut or something. I, I can't remember what the phrase is, but yeah. I think I said seventeen to sixteen in ugly game. I'm gonna hold my nose and pick the Hokies because the line didn't make any sense. Um. I said 17-16. Virginia Tech wins by a lot more than that. Andrew called a Virginia Tech victory over Marshall a week ago. He was about a week early. Ricky predicted Virginia Tech to go 9-3 and three last year. He was about a year early. Regardless, we got <laughs> he there. Was, he was more I was a year, year early. early? Unless, unless you think they're beating Florida State and running the table. <laughs> more you like were, I was a decade early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, a year early, I guess, on a, a year early on like predicting a a Virginia Tech win in like emphatic fashion. So it would have been one of the nine would have been a, yeah. a win like we saw on Saturday. Let's start here. Uh, Tyler Bowen called up a nice little game, guys. Uh, so I, I'm actually um, petitioning for, um, I've submitted a request, a FOIA request to see cameras from inside the coaching box to make sure that was Tyler Bowen yeah. actually calling this game. This was the this was the best this offense has looked in the last what would be 16 games now. 
in terms of creativity and aggressiveness and overall flow that we've seen thus far. Um, I don't know what took so damn long. I, I don't know if it's just because Pitt's, Pitt's not very good. I'm sure that's got a big role to play in this. But um, Bowen, Bowen's off the hot seat for at least a week, right? Like he, he called a really good game in this one. Virginia Tech got to the perimeter a lot. They took shots downfield. The running game looked like it had some wrinkles to it that we hadn't seen so far this year. They were able to get Kyron Jones involved in the running game, but they also gave Basial Tootin 24 carries, which is something that I think is incredibly important given that Basial's shown his ability to make guys miss in space, but also you've got to try and get some of the, the load off of Kyron Jones' shoulders. Regardless, Jones had five touchdowns, which is phenomenal. Uh, all, all in all, one of the best offensive performances we've seen in the last couple seasons for the Hokies, and uh, it could not have come at a better time. Offensively, it was the closest thing we've seen to a four-quarter football game under this coaching staff. And from the quarterback position, you know, even though you only see 12 completions, it was the most effective game a quarterback has played through four quarters. So everyone really looked their best out there, you know, with the exception of maybe the defensive backs on two big plays. The run was stopped. The ball was run effectively. And they made the most out of the tools that their quarterback has. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, the the running game was creative. Outside run game was really good. Um, a lot of like sweep plays, uh, running the football, which we really just hadn't seen a lot of in the, in the early going this year. Getting the skill talent out on the perimeter, not only in the past game, because we saw a lot, at least in Kyron Jones's first couple starts in, in kind of the quick screen game, right? Bowen was clearly trying to get the ball to the receivers in space, but kind of doing that with the running backs too in the running game, uh, just real effective. We saw all sorts of different types of runs in this game. Virginia Tech at one point during this game ran the option, which I didn't expect to see this year. We saw that. I don't know, man. This was just not what I was anticipating offensively in a, in a very good way, obviously. Kyron Drones, the, the t- first touchdown pass to Felton, he put one on the money to Felton in the Rutgers game that was not caught. That was very similar to that one. Um, it was up the left side of the formation instead of the right side of the formation. But Drones threw a very pretty deep ball to Felton he hits Jalen Lane on a on a pass in the second half where Lane just decided he was going to stop right kind of in the middle of the deep saw, you know, the entire defense kind of pursuing the one side of the field. Lane just kind of settles down in the middle of the field. Drones hits him and it was a busted coverage and he scampers in for 53 yards, came at a really crucial moment when Pittsburgh had a little bit of momentum there. But this was just a really well-played game by Drones. It was a well-called game by Bowen. And on the defensive side of the ball, I got to give Chris Marv a lot of credit too. Yes, there were two um, busted plays in the passing game, 
that Tech will have to clean up. But defensively against the run, by far the best Virginia Tech has looked. We we talked on the on the recap podcast for Marshall, you know, about how Virginia Tech it seemed like they were getting a little bit closer to figuring out, you know, how to get stops in the running game. But you know, there were a couple of big runs in that Marshall game for Rasheen Ali. Right, he had the two carries for, I think it was two two carries for 117 yards, but otherwise he had like 55 yards rushing on like 23 attempts. Virginia Tech found a way to get stops in the running game here against Pittsburgh. Really important to do that. Found a way to do it at home. This was a gigantic circle the wagons game for Virginia Tech. The Hokies needed this real bad. Like the fan base needed it. The coaching staff needed it. The players really needed it. This was just a a huge surprise for four quarters. You know, there was a brief moment of time where, you know, Stuff went downhill a little bit, right? Virginia Tech takes that 28-7 to lead, and, you know, Pitt scores on the screen pass to Sebo Flemister, and then, you know, drones on kind of a, a weird play. The ball slips out of his hand, and Pitt runs it in for a touchdown. And then Virginia Tech had to punt on the ensuing offensive possession. All of a sudden, it goes from 28-7 to 28-21, and Virginia Tech was in position where they were punting and giving the ball back to Pittsburgh with all the momentum. And that's when, you know, Big third down stop, right? Keontae Jenkins with a sack, and then you force the punt, the Jalen Lane play on the ensuing possession to kind of get some breathing room back. This was just one of those games where Virginia Tech was not going to lose. Flat out, they were not going to lose this game. I thought Chris Marv and Tyler Bowen called a heck of a game. Obviously, give credit to Brent Pry too, as as the head coach. I thought Virginia Tech definitely outcoached Pittsburgh in this game. That was clear. And Pitt's a bad football team, but Virginia Tech had some games against some mediocre to bad football teams in the month of September, and they just were not getting the job done. So this was a big deal on Saturday. Rick? Um, six different players on this defense registered 70 or higher grades per pro football focus in uh, in terms of run defense, which is a dramatic improvement considering what we've seen so far this year. Only 38 yards allowed on the ground. Some of that was sacks, but I mean, this was a really inspiring defensive performance. I mean, seven of Pittsburgh's points came on Jerome's awkward fumble, which I don't know about you, but made me really start to question the direction of the game at that point in the third quarter. But all the way around, just a really impressive performance and certainly much needed. And very, very glad to see that the run defense was able to get things going and stop not a really good rushing attack. I mean, Flemister's not a game-breaking running back. Uh, Pittsburgh's offensive line is not very good. But you've got to start somewhere. And even if that means starting against a bad team and showing some some legitimate progress, we're going to take that over anything. I mean, it's just a little bit of offensive proof of concept, right? And though it's like, we just truly hadn't seen it. We truly hadn't seen it. This gives you the idea of what this thing can look like firing at all cylinders. And that is taking advantage of the abilities of the guy who we thought was going to be the backup quarterback. I think right now his Starting job is not in question. I don't I don't think anyone's questioning it right now. So that may be no fault of Grant Wells, who 
We never know, may have improved significantly, but it's now Jones's job to lose. Uh, and it's a North Star, right? And it's a big confidence builder for this group and the kind that you need before going to go play Florida State and going into a stretch of games that, you know, it's not a bunch of world beaters. And I know we've been in a position where we've seen Brent Pry lose most of his games, despite the fact that the opponents are not a bunch of world beaters, but they haven't been getting blown out yet. And you saw this staff make a game plan that worked and worked in a big way. And you just got to hope that, and I know I have more hope today than I did before the game. If it could happen once, it could be replicated. Yeah, Virginia Tech, right? Under Brent Pry, you know, Pry said he wanted the three pillars of his program. You know, what do you want the Virginia Tech program to look like under you? And he said, want to play great defense, which Virginia Tech, they didn't, I, I thought they were great against the run and they were pretty good against the pass. You know, the, the two p- pass plays were explosive, but Jerkovic was in hell all night. So a, a really good defensive performance. So you kind of check that box, right? They want to run the football. Uh, Virginia Tech had 200 yards rushing, 199 to be exact, 200 yards rushing, right, on 59 carries. Virginia Tech hasn't run the ball 59 times in six years. It's been since 2017. So Pry wants to play great defense. Pry wants to run the football. And Pry wants to have a playmaker, a dynamic quarterback under center. And Jerome's checked that box on Saturday night as well. So we haven't had a performance yet in, in the 16 games, uh, the 15 games prior, right before Saturday night, we hadn't had a performance yet where we could point to and say, that is what Brent Pry wants his program to be like all around offense, defense, right? This is the closest thing to it. And this offense, I think this version of the offense, I think can be really successful. Virginia Tech was once again rolling the pocket again with Kyron Jones. I thought that was really effective. Something I thought they did a pretty good job of against Rutgers when I talked about the play calling against Rutgers in the recap, right? I thought that Virginia Tech, Tyler Bowen, I thought he called a pretty good game against Rutgers. The execution wasn't there, but I thought the play calling was fine in that game. I did not think the play calling was very good against Marshall. Turned Kyron Jones into a drop back passer. Didn't really make a whole lot of sense. This game plan against Pittsburgh was similar to the one that the Hokies had against Rutgers in that it was a lot more rolling the pocket. Um, it was more creative kind of throwbacks in the passing game, right, to a tight end running across to the other side of the field, something that the hand and hooker offenses, right, uh, for Virginia Tech, you know, had they had some success, right? And that, that type of kind of, I want to call it gimmicky, but that tight end play running across the field was really successful with the likes of, like, Dalton Keene. <laughs> for a really long time. So we saw some more of that, right? With Daquan Wright on Saturday. There are just some signs of like, this is the type of offense that needs to be run with Kyron drones. I was uh, on social media after game and I would, I was having a conversation with Chris Coleman at tech sideline where, you know, Coleman called this very 2019 esque, And I agreed with him. I thought this was like the 2019 Miami game is what I felt like I just watched on Saturday in that, this game was not one that I think anybody saw coming in terms of offensive output. It was a game Virginia Tech absolutely had to have. Um, and, you know, the one difference, of course, in the 2019 Miami game, of course, is that it was on the road. But 
this was a situation for Virginia Tech on Saturday. It was a must-have game for this coaching staff. Must-have. A lot of pressure in a rebuild, right? And they found a way to pull it out, and I just thought it was a complete performance. Offense, defense, special teams. So, you know, you sound optimistic when you say that, and you point to a game that was a uh, clear turning point for a team. You know, you draw that comparison. Do you feel like there's a chance of anything resembling that going forward here? I mean, I know that Florida State is not the optimal matchup to play when you have this kind of momentum. But, you know, do you think that as we look at Wake, as we look at NC State moving off their starting quarterback, obviously Boston College and Virginia? Well, I I think the one box that Virginia Tech has yet to check during the Brent Pry era has been the consistency box, right? It's been very inconsistent. Uh, A lot of bad, right, over the first year and a half. A lot of bad results, a lot of bad performances. Some okay performances in there, too, where Virginia Tech just simply didn't win a game that they could have had, right? Just wasn't perfect. A big box, I think, would show the next stage of development for this Virginia Tech program is consistency. That doesn't mean you go out and and beat Florida State on Saturday as a four-touchdown underdog, but are you able to be aggressive, right, and be competent in that game and, you know, maybe still lose by a couple scores, but, you know, maybe we come out of that game in Tallahassee and have positives to pull from in year two of rebuild, right? That would be, I think, another step in a good direction because I don't think any of us are expecting Virginia Tech to go into Tallahassee and win that game, right? It's four touchdown underdog on Saturday. Nobody's expecting that. Is there is there a threshold for moral victory? Like, what do you need to see to make it a moral victory? Does Ricky LeBlu believe in moral victories? I, I always get torn on this because... I think there is value, and as a fan of the Baltimore Orioles, which did this for, what, three, four seasons, there is value in showing progress on the field in a losing effort. I I think that that's legitimate. The flip side of that is is that uh, you can only maintain that mentality for so long until you're just a loser. And... I don't know that we've reached that point yet in Brent Pry's tenure. He's not yet finished with year two, so he probably has a little bit of leash to to buy into the moral victory stuff. But you got to be really careful with that stuff. I'm very, I'm very touchy, touch and go with it. it. It's it's dangerous, right? Because you start thinking, oh, it's okay. We only lost by three scores. Well, no, like it's it's a bad look, right? Well, well, it's okay because we entered the fourth quarter only down seven. Okay, but who gives a shit? You you lost by twenty one, so I don't know what the threshold is. Um, a lot of it's the eye test. A lot of it's you know how to, how did the product look? How did you get to that point? but don't expect me to come on here next week if Virginia Tech loses by 21 and be happy about it because I won't be. Hokie Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating comfortable and officially licensed apparel featuring vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight discovering unique logos, 
mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire blue chip apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover. Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Heading to a game at Lane Stadium this fall, need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to vividseats.com. Use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. I think 21, of course, you you see the possibility of things getting out of hand against Florida State on national television. You know, obviously, it's not a good look. I, I think if they can keep the game moderately close, you know, as it pertains to the team's ability to, like, would I feel better about them going, beating Wake Forest and NC State and Boston College and UVA? Yeah. Like, I, and I don't think up until this week against Pittsburgh, there hadn't been a lot of things happening on the field that were making us feel better than we did going into the season. Well, I mean, so many of the data points that have been collected this year have sucked, but Correct. now we have, now we have a data point that doesn't suck for the first time right? in like a year and a half. Yeah. Like, so, I, I, the BC yeah. game, notwithstanding yeah. early last year, like this was a little dead. This felt a little different. I mean, the Liberty game, uh, the, the Liberty game last year was a small data point in the right direction. I was, I was pleased with that. Um, that was kind of an odd circumstance game anyway, going into it. So it was nice that they answered the bell for that. But this was certainly the most impressive Virginia Tech has looked under Brent Pry ever uh, in, in the small sample size. So now that we have that data point that's trending in the right direction, you can start to look at games down the schedule, which, you know, we'll get to them as we progress through the rest of the season, but you can start looking at the schedule and thinking, okay, that team's shown some vulnerabilities. Virginia tech's probably not going to play this good uh, week in and week out. As a matter of fact, I would bet on it. So you have to try and find the aggregate, right? Like it, Virginia tech's probably somewhere in the middle uh, between this and what we saw against Marshall and what we saw against Rutgers. Um, and that's going to make them a bad to mediocre team. And it just is what it is. Now, is the schedule lining up a little bit more favorably than we thought? Maybe, right? Wake Forest looks vulnerable. They just got beat by a bad Georgia Tech team. Um, Florida State, not really vulnerable. Boston College. They've got a problem. Virginia just lost to Boston College. They've got a problem. Um, there are going to be some winnable games that line up on the schedule if Virginia Tech 
can find a little bit of a middle ground between what we saw in those losses against Rutgers and um, and Marshall, and then what we saw on Saturday versus Pitt. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, this was, I think we were hoping for something like we saw on Saturday against Pitt. We were hoping for one of the first four games I guess the second out of the first four games to kind of look like that, right? We were hoping that Virginia Tech came out with that kind of offensive spunk against Purdue, right? Albeit a different quarterback or against Rutgers or Marshall on the road. You were kind of hoping that worst case Virginia Tech entered the Pittsburgh game two and two. But then again, entering the season, we did not expect this to be a very winnable game for Virginia Tech either, right? Hosting Pittsburgh because we were anticipating that Pittsburgh would be a lot better than they actually are. Pittsburgh's on their way, it looks like to like a three and nine season on paper. It's not looking very good. The second well, half so, is so, well. Go, go ahead. ahead and finish that point, and then I no, want to stop you. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say second half of the season. I agree, Rick. Like it definitely sets up a little bit more favorably. Of course, if we see the Virginia Tech team like we saw on Saturday night, if we go back to playing offense like the Hokies did against Marshall, where we're gonna drop Kyron Drones back thirty-five times or whatever it was, and then not stop the run then, you know, I'm kind of going into the second half of the season kind of feeling like I did going into the Pittsburgh game where, you know, if there's a win in there, great. But, you know, otherwise it's looking a little bit bleak. So it really depends on what version of Virginia Tech we see. And I think a big box to check off moving forward is the consistency box. I just don't think we're there yet. So let me let me have this conversation. I was planning on bringing this up towards the end of the podcast, but let's do it now. You mentioned Pittsburgh's headed towards a three and nine type year. Their one win is against Wofford. They've lost four in a row, all of which are power five teams. Uh, How bad is Pitt? And how does their level of bad kind of tilt your, your view of how impressive this win really is? Hmm. Don't all jump at once, boys. I will say uh, if the defense <laughs> if the defense gave up more than 14 points, the Hokies defense gave up more than 14 points in this game, given the level of Pittsburgh offense we've seen kind of consistently all year long, I would have had a lot of concern, right? I think given what we just saw, Virginia Tech kind of did what it had to do in terms of what Pittsburgh's been, what they were kind of entering this game in Blacksburg, and what we expect Virginia Tech to be defensively when they're filling gaps and tackling. <laughs> like, this is what you're supposed to do to offenses that look this bad. On the other side, you know, Virginia Tech scoring 38 points. I don't think this is a Pittsburgh defense that's as good as it's been in years past, but I still think it's a competent defense under Narduzzi. Like, 38 points is 38 points. I mean, them going out and doing that is significant. Now, you know, how Virginia Tech got there was interesting. Cincinnati had a game earlier this year where they ran for 200 yards on the Pittsburgh defense. Cincinnati, by the way, is not very good either. Year one under Satterfield. Uh, Not the program they've been. Shocker. Right. Surprise. It's not Luke Fickle anymore. Guy failed upward. Right. Uh, But, you know, Cincinnati ran for over 200 yards in that game. And Virginia Tech got to 200, took the Hokies 59 carries. They got to 200 yards. 
and it was respectable how they did. They kept Pitt off balance all night. It was a good offensive attack. I wasn't anticipating Virginia Tech to throw the ball the way they did in this game. I think hats off to drones for making some big time throws. The scheme I thought was really good. Pitt's defense I thought was a little bit lost in the secondary. So a lot of credit to the Hokies there. But I think it affects Pittsburgh's level and how poor they are to me has really no bearing on how I feel about Virginia Tech only because Hokies weren't really doing this early in the year, right? And I don't know where Pitt's going to end up relative to Marshall or relative to Rutgers, relative to Purdue. But what I do know is that Virginia Tech played poorly against each of those three teams I just mentioned in games that seemed winnable. This game seemed winnable entering it on paper, considering how Pitts looked in the month of September. And Virginia Tech took care of business for the first time in a long time. So for me, it's more of give credit to Virginia Tech, acknowledge that Pittsburgh's not very good, and then be happy that Virginia Tech took care of business in a game that was winnable because they needed it bad. And there was no real reason for optimism going into it because Virginia Tech simply had not played good football this year outside of the Old Dominion game um, for a stretch there where they kind of expanded the lead in the second half. We hadn't really seen a consistent four-quarter football game at Virginia Tech this year, even with that Old Dominion game in there. You know, ODU ran the ball a ton in that game, did a really nice job against the Hokies' rushing defense. So this is a four-quarter game, the first time we've really seen it under Brent Pry, offense, defense, and special teams. So it's really more about Virginia Tech for me than it is about Pitt being bad. But you do have to have that conversation, too, about the fact that Pittsburgh's just not very good. But a win's a win, and an emphatic win at that, you know, winning by 17, I think, significant. It was a game that they were the Vegas underdog going in against a Power 5 opponent. And like, yeah, probably beating one win Pittsburgh shouldn't be your signature win. I think in an ideal world, there'd be some more signature wins to hang your hat on. But this is the biggest one so far. And the offense, you know, moved the ball to your point, Mike, with a level of consistency. And, you know, it seemed like they knew what they were trying to do out there and they executed like at best before we've pretty much gotten, well, they knew what they were trying to do out there, but they didn't execute. Like maybe it was the wrong plan to keep going with that plan that we couldn't execute. I don't know, but scheme seemed to have a clue and fit to the skill set of the players on that field. And it does not make you feel worse. And so, yeah, I, I think the season's only a success to the, I think we all have realistic expectations. I think bowl game is still, you know, a stretch at this point. But if we can pick up, you know, obviously the Boston College win and the UVA win seem very attainable. You know, if you can get to five with two wins, you know, over that, NC State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Louisville crowd. We know we're not beating Florida State. You go into the offseason feeling like this team's got a little bit of momentum. If you can get to five. And even at four. I mean, I don't know. 
four would still be it would feel like somewhat of a failure because there there would have been some losses in there but five from where we were after the marshall game would be you know a, a huge moral victory yeah we all thought for Brett we, all, we all thought five entering the season would be a big deal just considering where virginia tech was last year well I think. well I, I don't know about big deal i mean i thought six would be a big deal but five to me still felt like it was underwhelming uh maybe an improvement a big enough improvement it's a passing so grade sure. though yeah, I mean, C's do get degrees. This is true. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and lower my threshold of six wins to feel pretty comfortable about the season um, just because they got off to a rough start. That's fair, too. I Here's the thing, right? Coming into the year, we looked at the schedule and we picked wins and losses and we all ended up on five and seven. I did not anticipate Virginia Tech was going to go one and three in the non-conference slate in September. I thought, you know, at worst, that was probably a two and two stretch. So to fall behind the eight ball a bit, be one and three. And then if you find a way to get to five wins, if you find a way to get to six wins, I think that's when we have the conversation about, wow, after that start to still make a bowl game, if we entered the year saying Virginia Tech's going to go one and three in the non-con and then still win six, we all would have been like, wait, really? <laughs> like, We would have been really surprised by that. Think so I about think... it. Getting to six wins means that Virginia Tech would finish the season with a positive record in the conference. Yeah. And we would all be having a conversation, I think, at that point of, wow, September was pretty disappointing, right? We ended September on a high note with our first conference win and then found a way to make a bowl game. That's not how any of us thought it would go. And I think that's when we would have the conversation of, man, to see where this team was in September and see where they ended up, big deal to get to six. And it would be Sounds a big like deal it. to get to six no matter what. But like that's when we're having the conversation like, oh, my God, September was so bad. And look at where we ended up. Sounds like a contract extension to me. <laughs> Dude, people will be absolutely... Brian gets it. I mean, it, it would. You get to six, right? At that point, most of the contributing players on the team are coming back, and you can make a compelling argument to transfer portal guys to come in and fill in the gaps where you have them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, probably not doing that at uh, you know, three and nine or whatever. Look, there there are definitely winnable games left, right? I mean. Boston College and Virginia, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because this team, once again, I've mentioned this earlier, we got to see the consistency thing. And we got to see consistency not only with the players' execution, but we got to see consistency with the plan schematically on both sides of the football, right? There has to be a clear plan. We can't, you know, go back to, you know, poor run fits and turning drones into a dropback passer when that's not where he's most successful. He can make some throws from the pocket, but he's comfortable on the run. Like, get him comfortable. Plus, the offensive line isn't going to hold up, you know, for the rest of the games on the schedule, you know, with three and five-step drops out of shotgun. Like, that's not that's not a recipe for success with this offensive line. So, I think there needs to be consistency with the execution. There needs to be consistency with the plan on both sides of the ball. 
before we even entertain this conversation, but if the Virginia Tech that we saw on Saturday shows up more frequently throughout the rest of the season, there are certainly winnable games on the schedule. Boston College, UVA, Wake Forest, that Syracuse game becomes a bit more winnable. Um, We'll see about Louisville. I watched that Louisville NC State game on Friday night, guys. I still don't really see it with Louisville. I think they're competent. I think Brom is a good coach and they'll get there eventually. They have not played anybody and NC State is bad. They're bad and Louisville barely escaped there. So we'll see on Louisville, but having that game on the road, I think makes it a little more difficult, but there are definitely more winnable games on the schedule. If the Virginia tech that we saw on Saturday shows up more frequently throughout the rest of the season, but it's kind of a bummer that Florida state is falling where it is just considering how good the Hokies looked. And we'll kind of see what, what version of Virginia tech shows up on Saturday in Tallahassee. Let's talk some trash for a minute. Let's have some fun. Okay. Is Phil Dracovic the worst quarterback in the conference? He's so bad, dude. <laughs> He's so bad. He looked he looked not not only did he look extremely immobile in this game, like he he had zero ability to evade pressure. But even when he had time to throw, he did not look comfortable. It, it looked like he was seeing ghosts and was feeling pressure when it wasn't there. He was running himself out of the blocking scheme. Um, did not look comfortable at all in this game. He's He's got six touchdowns to three picks, but he's completing just over 50% of his passes. And once again, Pitt has yet to be a Power 5 opponent this year. 2020, there was a perception that Phil Dracovic was actually pretty good. Like Mike, has he regressed with that? That's the only tossing the ball up to Zay Flowers behind a good offensive line. Like explain. It's probably the only good year he's had. Uh but it was the first. Was banged <laughs> you up. Think, and, you figure things are gonna get better. Well yeah, I mean he sat out a year at Notre Dame, right? Then he transfers, uh has the good year at BC in twenty. He got hurt in twenty one, missed a bulk of the season, of course came back against the Hokies and flamed him on a Thursday night and then uh last year was not very good again everybody blamed the BC offensive line the injuries they had uh transfers to Pitt and it's more of the same he just has not been the same quarterback since he hurt his wrist in 21 flat out and he wasn't really all that great early in that year either considering what he did in 20 you know um so yeah not great he's got the physical tools for sure but it just has not worked out. Kind of wild that both Pitt and um, NC State were able to unite their transfer quarterbacks with coordinators that they had had success success with in the past. And Jerkovic and especially Armstrong have looked um, far less than what we had, had expected this year. Armstrong obviously being benched now for MJ Morris, but um, – some credit does need to go to this Virginia Tech defensive front in the pass rush. We talked about how solid they were against the run. Feldarius Payne, again, got to get that guy, continue to get him more snaps. He was very disruptive in this one. Antoine Powell-Ryland had another had himself a pretty good game as well. Um, 
if you can start to get something out of pain, I, I think you've got to keep him on the field as the start in the starting rotation. Yeah. Uh, obviously those other guys are going to continue to get snaps, but to me, he's, he's the only defensive tackle that has shown flashes of game wrecking ability in terms of blowing up plays in the backfield. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. He was good. Real good again on Saturday. Uh, I, there were a lot of really good performances. I thought the offensive line uh, Pitt had 12 tackles for loss still, so it wasn't perfect, but I will say I thought Virginia Tech's offensive line looked once again, a lot more comfortable because of the scheme, right? Like looked more comfortable run blocking out in space, looked better uh, protecting Kyron drones when the Hokies were, were, you know, moving the pocket, just put this offensive line in better positions to succeed schematically. This offensive line is what it is at this point, but there are ways to mitigate how bad it actually is. So just continue to do those things. Scheme around the poor play. Newton's the real deal. He's good, man. I I think that, you know, you look at the box score against Purdue, only putting the ball on the ground, you know, eight times and almost keeping him in the negative. You know, when you see what the kid can do out in space, it it really does kind of just go back to some of the previous game plans just seeming criminal. Yeah. And he had four catches in this game too. He did. Yeah, he did. Which yeah. is extremely, inc- I mean, that's, I actually wrote about this after the spring game. That was something I noticed in the spring game was that Virginia Tech's offense seemed to move the ball particularly well against Virginia Tech's defense when they were able to get their backs out in space. Yeah, we saw a lot of it with like Chance Black, Bryce Duke. Uh, those guys were able to make some serious plays in space. And Basial Tootin has shown that ability multiple times this year. Where if he's able to get one on one, his chances of making that guy miss are pretty high. So those safer throws are also going to be an extension of the run game, and they're going to give you some chances to throw the ball downfield, which. Shout out Daquan Felden, breakout game for him, maybe. Big game, yeah. Have to hope that he can be uh, a consistent deep threat. It's certainly going to make opposing defensive coordinators look at that and game plan that moving forward. And his effectiveness should only go up if Jalen Lane continues to be healthy and on the field because Jalen Lane, I think, is the best athlete in that room and has the – is the most dynamic receiver in the room and pairing him up with Felton will really open some things up for everybody. Yeah. And and honestly, like one of the key differences between this year and last year, right. Is when you looked at the roster on the offensive side of the ball, you know, there was no way Virginia tech was going to be able to mix it up. Like, Occasionally, they broke out a big play. Caleb Smith was a good receiver. You know, other teams could scheme for that. But now, even with Ollie Jennings out, between what Tootin can do, both as a runner and out of the backfield, with Lane and Felton, and then Drones the runner opening up things for Drones out of the air, it's like if you mix and match that stuff the right way, you have the tools to be successful. Yeah. That was proven on Saturday night. So, you know, quite frankly, barring 
you know, crazy injuries on the offensive line. You know, even what we saw offensively during the Marshall game, you know, for the greater part of the game, you know, notwithstanding marching down the field of the first drive. It's like, this team is too good to be that stagnant. You have to figure out ways to make it work for this roster, despite its flaws. And Tyler Bowen showed that he could kind of figure out what to do. Yeah. So let's try and replicate that. Yeah, let's replicate it. And teams will be more prepared, certainly, right? The the book will be out. And, I, you know, I think for the first month of the season, the book is kind of out on how to beat Virginia Tech, right? You just run the ball at them and hope that they screw up something on their side and then, you know, force Kyron drones to throw, right? That's that's the game plan against Virginia Tech right now. Uh, yeah. And look, Pitt couldn't do it successfully. Virginia Tech ran the ball really well. They schemed around it. Hats off to Bowen. Hats off to Marv, right, on the defensive side getting stops. You know, Virginia Tech looked like the more prepared team on Saturday. That's my takeaway. They looked like the more prepared team, and they executed. And the players played angry. And the Hokies played fast on both sides of the ball. That's the fastest I've seen the defense look all year. They were flying around the ball. It was really encouraging defensively. And offensively, hitting on some big plays. Like, Virginia Tech hasn't hit on a lot of big plays this year. And there were some big ones in this game. Like, drones airing it out on the first drive and hitting Felton on a bomb down the field. I mean, we we haven't seen Virginia Tech hit on those types of pass plays in a long time. And the Jalen Lane play, you know, again, blown coverage by Pitt, and he had a lot of grass in front of him. But Jalen Lane is a really dynamic athlete, like Ricky just said. Like, the most probably the most dynamic receiver on the team. You throw it to him in the middle of the field, and he houses it, right, and outruns you know, Pitt's entire defense, you know, to get to the pylon, get to the end zone. Drones, his shortest completion in this game was seven yards. He had 12 completions. Like, he was he was really good. He was really good. Real composed. Didn't, and you know what? I got to give him a lot of credit because he had that fumble, right? And it was kind of a fluky play. He's rolling out. He's trying to throw. Nothing the Pittsburgh pass rush did outside of, like, giving him chase and, like, causing him to try to get rid of the ball. Nothing the Pitt, Pittsburgh defender did cause drones to actually fumble. Like he didn't hit him, And that's why drones fumbled, right? Just kind of slipped out of his hand as he was trying to throw the ball, you know, to the sideline or throw it out of play, whatever he was trying to do. It just kind of slipped a real fluky play. He comes off the field. Pry is talking to him, trying to get him to keep his head up. And he comes back two drives later, throws that touchdown pass, uh, finds Jalen Lane real patient Lane in the middle of the defense hits him, uh, Lane takes it to the house. Huge play in the game, right? Gigantic play in the game. Gigantic swing back in the Hokies' direction. And that came after that fumble. Tech just didn't fold. You got to give Drones a lot of credit because um, he's still pretty young, right? He's a retro sophomore, and he hasn't played a ton of football at the collegiate level. And for him to kind of overcome that mistake and, you know, have that touchdown pass and, you know, Tech scored again later too, right? And Drones was at the center of that. He had a touchdown run there later in the game. Just a big deal, man. Like some big time plays were made in this game. And you got to just give a lot of credit to the players for just kind of figuring it out and making plays when they needed to. Cause we haven't seen a lot of that. Going to bring up one negative from this game that um, seems to have slowly become more of an issue over the last couple of weeks, 10 penalties for 91 yards. Yeah. Um. You're not going to be able to win a ton of games against the remainder of the schedule if you're going to have numbers like that. Like, 
Virginia Tech's margin of error is not going to be big enough in most of the games moving forward, I think, this year to be able to win when you've got 10 penalties for 91 yards. So we gave a lot of praise in the first couple games because Virginia Tech was taking care of the football. They had cleaned up some of the procedural issues on offense. They weren't getting flagged on defense. They weren't getting flagged for holding. Uh, it's become a bit more of an issue over the last couple of weeks. Yep. So it's something that needs to be addressed this week in practice, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, it comes down to it. You know, from what we've seen so far this year and knowing this schedule, at least, again, given the roster that Virginia Tech has right now, they're in a position to be in every game they play the rest of the way, probably besides this upcoming week. You know, and it's on the coaches to put those players in positions to succeed given the game plan and given the opponent's weaknesses. And ultimately it falls on the coaches to make sure that this team is disciplined and, you know, not out there shooting themselves in the foot. So knowing what we know now, you know, there, there's a lot to judge this group on going forward. The helplessness excuse is out the window. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say Tech doesn't have talent to do something like this, right? Because no, Pitt is not the best team Virginia Tech will play the next, the rest of the schedule, obviously. Going to Tallahassee this weekend, Florida State's nationally relevant. Um, some better teams ahead, right? Uh, Louisville, despite what I may think of them, Louisville's 5-0. and Syracuse coming off a tough loss to Clemson, but Syracuse still has a good team. Wake Forest is still going to have a chance to make a bowl game, even though they're having a, a bit of a down year offensively, you know, with a step back in the quarterback room from Sam Hartman to Mitch Griffiths, but it's still a well-coached team under Clawson. There are still some good teams on the schedule, right? Teams that are a lot better than Pittsburgh, but the talent excuse does go out the window when you go out and hang 38 on ACC team, right? Talent excuse kind of goes out the window a little bit. And we weren't letting them off the hook for this either, right? We said all along that, you know, a lot of the reasoning for Virginia Tech's one and three start was obviously poor execution by the players, but it was on the coaching staff to kind of figure this out. We did blame the coaching for the poor start because Virginia Tech did have the talent to, you know, perform better than one and three. The coaches would be the first ones to tell you that, right? Pry went into year one talking about how, there were some deficiencies in talent. It was going to be a bit of a rebuild. He didn't say the same thing going into year two. I, I don't think Pry was anticipating the Hokies to go off to the start they got off to, right? So, you know, I think that's more of fan conjecture at this point. Obviously, the staff, you know, I don't think the staff thinks that this is the best version of a team that they'll have here in Blacksburg. If they think that's the case, they're not going to be here very long, right? So, but they're also not going to say, okay, talent is the reason why we lost those first four games. They haven't said that, right? They haven't said we're deficient in talent. They said, we just haven't played to our potential. We haven't been consistent and that's on us as coaches, right? That's what Pry has said in each of the first four games in the post game. That's what he kind of hung his hat on being like, we just got to be better. And it starts with me. He was saying all the right things. The coaching staff just wasn't really getting the most out of the players in the first four games. They figured it out Saturday against Pittsburgh. 
the talent excuse, Andrew, I thought that that point was really good. Definitely goes out the window now. And we'll kind of see where the chips fall and see what kind of team tech fields on the field moving forward. Last question I have for you guys. Is this the best Virginia tech will look for the remainder of the season? Yes or no question. A lot of deep thought going on on this podcast, right? <laughs> there now. really is. Well, I'm trying to decide. I'm trying to decide. Like, if couldn't tell if Mike was frozen or, or if Mike was just sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to decide. No, what I'm trying to decide is like I didn't want to ask all, all these nuanced questions. But if Virginia Tech plays like this again, like, are we? Is the question like, is Virginia Tech going to look better than this at at any point, or is this? Am I way overthinking this? I think you are. The question is, will this be the best Virginia Tech looks for the remainder of the year? Yes or no? I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, because I'm not sure that this version, like this roster, how it, what's, what it's consisted of right now, like what it consists of on both sides of the ball. I'm not sure it can turn in a better performance than this. And they'll say otherwise, because I'm sure they'll say we left stuff out there. 12 tackles for loss, offensive line, not great, right? Uh, the two plays defensively. They're going to say I left stuff on the field. But I think with current roster composition, it's going to be hard to top 38 points and a performance where your defense only gives up 14. I don't care who the offense is you're playing. Yeah, I mean, it was really the first time that Virginia Tech showed a lot of these looks to anyone, at least in a consistent way. So as Mike mentioned, Teams are going to be more adept to game plan for it. Uh, you know, you you do worry that given how so-so in a kind way, the offensive line play has been at times throughout this year, you know that one or two injuries at any point are going to make things increasingly more challenging for this offense. Uh so, yeah, I, I'll say no, but if you give me 80% of this, I do feel comfortable that Virginia Tech being in a position to win a handful of more football games. So, but, Andrew, you, so, Andrew, you think that they will look better than they did on Saturday at least once for the remainder of the season? I mean, yeah. One more time, sure. I think they can do this again. No, th- that's not what I asked. I think Tech. Can, that, that's why I asked my qualifying question because I do think Tech can do this again. God, I just don't I know think it's, it's going to be better. Campaign season, boys, but damn, take no, I mean, off I, the politician hat. No, I mean, like, dude, they they could probably do it again. It, it's highly unlikely, in my opinion, that we see this consistently going forward. It's hard to say that. You know, I mean, we point to UVA and Boston College as like the opportunities there. Like, there's still no such thing as a lock win. I'm not going to say there's a lock win, but there's two more power five lock wins on the schedule for a coaching staff that's only won two power five games to this point. But you definitely feel more optimistic after this game than you felt after any game in the Brett Pryor. Okay, so... Is that a yes or a no? Yeah, one more time they'll do it. But 
you know, I mean, I just think there are going to be people out there that think this is going to be replicated time over time over time going would forward. Would be great. Would be great. Would be great. Not yeah. necessarily expecting that. Haven't checked the consistency box yet. That's, I don't uh, want to rain on the parade. But. Mike, one of your jobs is to get uh, merch lined up for um, a consistency box T-shirt, since you've said that like seven times already. Yes. Uh, yep. I'm going to answer this question by saying, no, Virginia Tech will not eclipse this level for the remainder of the season. That's not to say that they can't touch this level again. Yeah. I'm not convinced that they will. But I think this is the best this team can offer right now. And yeah. as it turns out, it's pretty pretty decent. It's good. Right? It's enough to make a bowl. It's enough to make a bowl game if you play like this. This is how you make a bowl game. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, we came into the year thinking that the ceiling for this team was probably like seven wins. Probably no more than that. And it would have to be like a really special year and you'd have to have other things working in your favor. So I, this this is the level that we were anticipating and hoping to see more of in the month of September. We were also anticipating that we'd see games like the Marshall and the Rutgers game and the Purdue game. That's why we all said five and seven. This is the level of football you need to play to make a bowl game and do even better than that. It's going to be hard to imagine Virginia Tech doing this time and time and time again. It would be a big deal, but it's probably not realistic at this point to expect that given what we have seen so far that doesn't mean it can't be done but you got to show it to us before all three of us sit here and say like this is going to be the version of the team we see for every single week the rest of the season i don't think anybody's anticipating that so the big overarching question that we you know ask each other on a regular basis on this podcast week to week you changing your win total well after the loss to Marshall, did we have like a consensus? Were we at four? Were we at three? I think. What were, what were we at? Well, I was all doom and gloom. I think I said two and 10 and one and 11 were definitely still on the table. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, they were. Uh, I think. I think this team probably gets to four. I think they win two more. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree right with now. that. I, I I think Virginia Tech's not going to be able to play like this consistently. They haven't done it yet to this point. I don't think they're going to be able to flip a switch and all of a sudden do it now. They're in for a rude awakening this weekend. And we're going to get into the preview uh, later this week and kind of discuss that in detail. Uh, but a lot of the fans that are you know, feeling optimistic after this pretty impressive win over Pittsburgh are going to be pretty irritated with the final outcome on Saturday. And we all just need to kind of brace for that. Right. Um, with that said, Virginia tech should be able to play better football games than they have shown in the first four weeks of the season. Um, we should see levels and performances better than what we saw against Purdue better than what we saw against Rutgers and Marshall. And I think that gets them at least two more wins. Um, I think the ceiling for this team is probably now at six and six, um, as opposed to seven and five. Uh, the floor is still pretty low. 
I mean, three and nine is probably your floor at this point. I don't think they're going to go winless for the remainder of the year after showing what they showed on Saturday. Andrew, what do you think? I mean, I was down to three. Okay. In the doom and gloom. So I'm definitely up to four. Yeah. And, you know, until they go out and lose to Wake, I'm sneaky confident about five. You know, it's something that is very much back on the table insofar as, you know, not that it's such a huge statement for Virginia Tech, which I think it is a statement. But they showed themselves to be competent. While at the same time, the stock of the opponents remaining on the schedule is declining. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm from three to four right now. And if they beat Wake, I'll probably start talking about six because, you know, I can't help myself. Then Syracuse is on a Thursday night, and then they still got BC and UVA. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the road we'll go down for sure. All right, boys, you got anything else? Nope. Rate, review, subscribe, as always. Make sure you follow the boys on Twitter. Uh, glad we could do a victory pod. It's kind of a felt good. Fun, it's a fun change of pace, considering how things were going. Let's do it more often. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. It'd be great if we could do one next weekend. Huh? I would. Uh, if listen, if we did one next weekend, I am going to lie so <laughs> mfing loud. <laughs> like, we're winning seven or eight. We're winning seven or eight, and at that point, um. Mike is picking Virginia Tech to win the conference if they if they beat Florida State. <laughs> I mean, I'm just hoping we can title it the like Virginia Tech covers in Tallahassee. <laughs> That's all I want. Like that would be fine with me. So so Mike would be fine with a 21 point loss. I would be fine. <clears throat> well, let's find out if I bet on it first. <laughs> Not in Virginia. Uh, yeah, I'm Mike- going to stop talking before I get myself into some trouble. <laughs> I still think it's okay at this juncture to be fine with covering. The idea is that three, four years down the line, that would be mighty, mighty fast. Virginia Tech's not in a situation where they're finding themselves as 24-point underdogs against anyone anymore. We're in absolute hell if we're in, like, year five of prime. We're four-score dogs in Tallahassee. We're in all sorts of hurt. Um. For the record, folks, the Hokie Hangover does not endorse uh, violating Commonwealth of Virginia betting laws. Please bet responsibly. Tonight, anyway. (laughs) All right. Wrap us up, Mike. I think we're done here. (laughs) We will see you later this week. We should just end the podcast on good (laughs) night. Good night and go Hokies. (laughs) 